Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Oh, is it that? 
strange and sudden sound But we're not strangers now Finally found Love in the underground Ladies and gentlemen, the next L train is now arriving on the Manhattan-bound track. Please stand away to the platform edge. So love in the underground, far away. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it was kind of a it was an an interesting song for us. It, it it was a monumental landmark because it was the first song that all three of us really heavily contributed to the lyrics. Usually, what happens? I mean, authenticity is very important to us, and so I think the best way often to get that is to have one person's voice really guide uh, the storytelling and the character. Right. So like you'll have somebody, one of us from the band will come in with like a skeleton for a song, basically. So like sort of a general idea of melody and like a lot of the lyrics. And then we sort of all like huddle around and, you know, figure out what works and what doesn't work and start to use the instrumentation to kind of build the song. Because like so much of the harmonies and stuff aren't just decoration for us. It's all very sort of kind of like built into the fabric of the songs. Um so, yeah, so so it is interesting because Love in the Underground was very much like all of us sitting in a kitchen in one room, like, I can't even remember who wrote what in this song, actually. Yeah. Yeah, because we, so we were entered into um, a, a competition. It was the um, uh, coffee, coffee Music, music project. project. And um, uh, and that was happening, I believe, like the first show, the first round was on a Monday. And for the, the competition, you were performing an original song and then a song that you wrote about a topic, and the topic was New York. And so we were like... Uh, time got away from us and it was the day before and we <laughs> well, said oh my gosh well we have to we have to write a song we can go no. further back yeah. though because like really back. the story starts with we got accepted into the competition we were uh we were on tour in north carolina mm-hmm. uh, we were sitting around having brunch and we got this email and we were talking about ideas for the song and we were like what could encapsulate uh, life in New York. And we really wanted to frame it in a positive light because typically people are, can be really dark about New York and say like, oh, it's so hard to be an artist in New York. And that seemed like an easy choice. So we wanted to make it to tell a positive, uplifting story, which uh, was readily available to us because, um, in fact, Sydney and I met on the subway. Oh, no um, way. Yeah. <clears throat> when we first, Sydney and Regina had, had gone to school together and they they had written co-written songs uh, over over their time at school, um, but when I met Sydney, I was just playing music on the subway. Um, I, I got really into busking the first year that I moved to New York, and Sydney came down the stairs, and uh, it was a relatively deserted subway stop. So essentially, I was just playing songs for Sydney. And did she have her cello? She no, didn't have her cello, oh, okay. but okay. I found out very quickly that she was a cellist because I started talking to her, and then when the train came, I I kind of 
I was like, oh, actually, I was going to get on the train. Um, so, yeah. Let, uh, let's go on together. Going, yeah, let me, <laughs> we'll take the train together. Um, and then we started talking, found out that we were both musicians. and Well, she could tell you were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of led with that. But it was it was a, a a totally random kind of chance encounter that happened in a way that really, I mean, it, it could happen in public transport anywhere. But New York New York subway system is very iconic to New York and uh, as like kind of a mixing pot, right. melting pot for and, everybody. And like the fact that like such a formative experience could yeah. happen like in that second, because like because of something that was like built in New York was really exciting. So we we actually named the song. Love in the Underground before we wrote any anything else. Like we decided that was the title. Like mm-hmm. at brunch that they were like, yep. okay, we're gonna write about meeting. Okay, Love in the Underground. That's a good title. And then like also because the, like, the competition was uh, was was run by these uh, really wonderful people from London, um, and so we were. That's the reason that we called it the Underground instead of the Subway. Although, no, I don't think that's love not the reason. I mean, ah, I no, think no, no, the- no, 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 that's not the reason. <laughs> yeah, that was a happy coincidence. Yeah. That's not, we weren't thinking, oh, we're going to win this British competition. We're going to say the underground. No, loving oh. the underground is more poetic than loving the subway. That sounds so dumb. Yeah. No, that is false information. And the rhymes would have been totally different if it was love in the subway. We that's like the true. rhymes and loved in the underground. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, so when we actually got in the room, we, we usually do, we're, we're very lucky as a band because we don't need to rent, most of the time we don't rent uh, rehearsal space. We are very acoustic. We have pretty minimal percussion, so we're able, and we don't have a bass player, so we're able to kind of work around a kitchen table. So that's where we do a lot of our work, and we're just sitting around the kitchen table, and we we really like kind of mapped out the story together. Like Regina would say a line, and we'd be like, "Oh, I like that. How does that sound in a melody?" And we were just kind of we talked it over for this whole night, and we basically wrote the entire melody and maybe not the bridge. There was some there were some yeah. holes in it. And uh, we had one more day to rehearse it after that, and we kind of smoothed it all over just in time for the competition. We went for the first day of the first round of the competition, and we ended up making it through to the next round, um, which we also won a couple weeks later. And so nice. the the prize is actually going to London and playing at the London Coffee Festival and recording the song there, which we basically just kind of used as an exercise mm-hmm. to. To demo it out. Yeah, because this particular song is really special because we worked on it after the competition as well, which which I feel like is a little bit more unique and also something that we're doing more now where we are like uh, this particular song, they as a whole, the way that it's first iteration, we were pretty happy with it. But there were some moments where we're like, oh, I think that, that could be make more sense so that could be I, you know I'm not the biggest fan of this as I could be and and we went back and we changed a couple things and um yeah we rewrote lyrics after that first the uh, after probably about uh 9 months after we'd written the song we were going back rewriting lyrics and then even a year later we revamped the bridge which is a big reason why it's not out yet because <laughs> we because because like this song is such a calling card for us because it's so distinctively us like the instrumentation the harmonies everything the is story. so us and the story of course but one thing about this that I do think the whole like British competition thing did influence was was that we found these harmonies that we were like, oh, that is kind of Beatlesy, and then we like really leaned into that in this song. And so I think a lot of the songs we've written post Love in the Underground have had a little more Beatles influence as well. <laughs> I would venture to say, not in like any sort of like like obvious way, but um, but that was a really good sort of 
just to find out that we could do something like that was a cool uh, milestone for us, I think. I think that you hit on one of the things I love about your sound, and that is the combination of this unusual instrumentation and harmonies. Mm. And um, in particular, I think you are the the second rock cellist that, that <laughs> I've actually seen, but the first one I've actually listened to a recording of, and um, kind of funky. <laughs> so tell me about that. Like, yeah. how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I was in, I, the only other one, I was in Austin, Texas on 6th Street, and there was a cellist and a guitarist, and I was like, oh, I never saw that before. Mm-hmm. You know, and but Fast they, forward I, to bandits on the run. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that wasn't you, right? No. <laughs> Maybe in a lo- could, another life. Who we knows? played in Austin. Oh, you have? Yeah, <laughs> on the street in Austin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, no, the, the funny thing is, I I think that it's becoming more of a moment now, like having s- strings in more rock and folk bands. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is funny because like when we first started playing together, people like assumed we were like a bluegrass band or like like a super folky band, which like I guess is just like from the way we look in our instruments. But it's it we've had to like really draw a line and be like, no, we have our own sound. We're our own genre just because the instruments look like this doesn't mean that that's like that's who we are. And I don't know, but there's there's cello baked into a lot of like a lot of pop and rock songs you know what I mean it's it's just when it's someone playing it live and singing and standing up then that like really brings that to the forefront which is yeah. which is unusual yeah, yeah. and um because it's such a melodic instrument but the way we use it we we also use it as a percussive instrument because for the longest time we didn't have a drummer and now Adrian's feet are the drummer because he <laughs> plays a suitcase drum um, but it it's a, a and I use it as a bass, but it's a very versatile instrument because it's so similar to the human voice. Like so a lot of times it's our fourth band member, like vocally speaking. So mm. it's, it's, it's really an invaluable instrument in the band for sure. Yeah. I, I have so much, uh, artistic respect for, for Sydney, for being able to sing and also play a lead line at mm-hmm. the same time. That is not easy, especially without frets. I, I, I can't even say that I would be able to do that on a guitar. Um, but I think one of the things that kind of defines us is that we're really just working with what what we have mm-hmm. as as uh, artists, as instrumentalists, and our, and with our voices. You know, we we're, we never we we are constantly pushing our boundaries with what we have. But uh, but like for instance, we've we've never really had a drummer, so we've kind of found ways to be that that percussion, that rhythm section, just between the three of us, whether it's. Regina playing the shaky banana and the tambourine, mm-hmm. which is what how those were the chief instruments that you and started out yeah. with. Um, and then the addition, now I have a suitcase kick drum that I use just to kind of like give a little bit of foundation. I also have a foot tambourine that I play in our live sets. And yeah, Sydney really does hold down the, the bass line mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And then, but it's, amazingly, she's also able to give these soaring cello solos. So it's kind of an amazing dual purpose uh, instrument or array of instruments that we have. Yeah, well, I, I think that people respond to our music, and I think a lot of that comes from it's really, really personal to us. Like, we are working with what we have, and we're, we're, we've never, ever tried to fit into something or or change our sound to fit into a certain mold. We really are led by what we like as individuals and as a group, and a lot, and our tastes are super eclectic, and our strengths are super eclectic, too, and I think that that's been really lucky and in the alchemy of all of our different backgrounds has led us to the sound that 
is sort of like you can't quite pin it down into one genre, which has been frustrating at times because the number one thing people ask is, what genre are you? And we're like, well, we're a little bit of everything. Um, but but I love that and I wouldn't change it for the world because I, I think that music, in, in, at least the music that I like to listen to and the artists that I really enjoy, I feel like always are kind of playing with genre. And I feel like the the lines between genres are sort of uh, floating a little bit. It's, it's more music is more accessible well, definitely there's harmonies in every song, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Harmony is the backbone. I mean, I would really consider harmony the essential voice of, of Bandits on the Run. Um, we don't do a song where there isn't three-part harmony yeah. in some aspect. Um, also, our arrangement of having three gives us the ability to have, like, a leading voice and back and a backup section of voices, which is really a wonderful versati- versatility. Um and, and we're unique in that we switch off who's the lead voice. So that also gives us more versatility. Yeah, and we, we trade, I mean, I call it the stack, like uh, who's singing the low, the middle, and the high. We th- we don't have like a set arrangement. I mean, we have like kind of some sweet spots that we found over the years, but oftentimes me and Regina are trading uh, who we're switching back and forth or me and Sydney will switch back and forth or Sydney and Regina will switch back and forth and we'll do these like crossing uh, harmonic lines. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's always really fun to be arranging with these, with these wonderful humans uh, <laughs> because we try lots of different stuff. And <laughs> well, it definitely for me evokes the sixties and definitely you mentioned the Beatles. I also think of the mamas and the papas mm-hmm. and the birds and uh, Crosby stills Nash and, you know, the classic Laurel Canyon mm-hmm. harmonic sound. And I don't know if that would be a way to describe, you know, they didn't use a cello and a suitcase <laughs> drum as much. I don't think. I mean, that was actually a lot of what we were listening to when we started. And in fact, for a while, we were playing kind of like more in the vein of like doo and 50s and 60s. Totally. Yeah. And, I, and I was also thinking Phil Spector produced yeah. without the wall of sound. It was like kind of like these, these uh, Shirelles kind of, yeah. a lot of, you yeah. know. We uh, played a Shirelles song when we first started. Uh, yeah, because we, we were busking in the subway. We, we were obviously just starting out as a band, so we didn't have many original songs. So a lot of the covers we would choose to do would be things like that, like the Shirelles or... With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. 